We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday we talked some of the Russ situation and whether or not the Lakers are at the point where they actually have to trade him right before training camp. And it's kind of a bummer to be at this point of the summer and like not know what your team is and kind of in be in this state of flux. And so what I want to talk about today is someone a little more grounded, at least that we expect to have back on the team next year. And that's Austin Reeves. We've gotten probably more info about his summer, what he's been up to than any of the other guys. Uh, he's a- apparently bulked up. He's been doing uh, yoga to add flexibility. He's really working on his jump shot. And when I think of next season's team, however things settle with Russ, my biggest question for the roster is, are we going to have enough guys? I think that you have to have seven, preferably eight guys that you can go deep into the playoffs with. And I think a key to us being able to get to that number, seven or eight guys, however the rust situation shakes down, is for one or two of our internal guys to be able to reach that level where they can be atop the seventh guy or the eighth guy on a really good team. Austin, for me, D, is the guy who is the top candidate for that, with Stanley close behind. But there are a lot of questions about him. I thought you brought up something before the pod regarding Austin that I think is really important to determining his future, and that's kind of what his position is. So talk to me about where your mind is at with Austin in terms of positionality and why that matters. Like, what what is the distinction, and, and like wh- how does it apply to this Lakers team? Well, I basically asked you, right before we started to record, like, you know, is Austin a point guard or is he something else? Or is he a shooting guard? Austin had to do a lot of different stuff last season, and he got thrown into the fire in a way that you rarely see an undrafted rookie free agent get thrown into the fire, right? But there Austin Reeves was. He was playing in closing lineups. He was playing in all kinds of different like lineup constructions where, oh, look, it's Austin is one of four guards that's on the floor surrounded with like a lone big guy. And, oh, is he's he's guarding up a position like, oh, now he's guarding 
point guards. Like he had that game against the Warriors, Mike, where I think it was in Golden State and he was guarding Steph Curry for a while. And I thought he was doing okay. And then he got put on to Clay Thompson and Clay started to get hot a little bit. It was just like, okay, well, is he too small to defend a player like Clay, who is a natural shooting guard? And and getting back to like, what is he? It's like, I've always said that you are what you defend, right? And so mm-hmm. if you can defend a center, then guess what? You're a center, right? And if you could defend a power forward or a small forward or a point guard, and that's all you can defend, if that's if you can only defend a point guard, then you might just be a point guard, right? It like that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna handle the ball offensively and that you're gonna set up the actions and put your mm-hmm. fist up in the air or or two fingers and say, Hey, we're running horns, right? Like that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm saying that the different types of lineups you can play in and what your role is going to be and what you need to surround that guy with then in order to function effectively on both sides of the ball, the less you can do, the more limiting those lineups are and the more versatility you need around you. And so Mike, Austin represents a certain amount of versatility to me. He, To me, he can play point guard. He does have really good offensive feel he can handle the ball some he can play in some pick and roll I said last year a lot that he went to big guard university because he knows how to like put a guy in jail and get a guy on this hip and then shove off to get some separation but he's also a good connective player who can work off of the ball and his development this offseason in terms of gaining strength and what he can do defensively so I just wanted to start there like what do you see Austin Reeves as do you see him as more of a point guard do you see him as more of a shooting guard or does that distinction even matter to you I think the good news if for those that are enamored with the way that Austin has come in is that it doesn't really matter and that he's depending on what your personnel is he can shift between those two spots and There are even certain circumstances. Now, this goes against what you said defensively, Darius, but offensively, where he can function as a three, like in at least in certain ways, where not to the point where I guess at least where you can stick him in on one side of the court and he can attack closeouts or he can at least hit an open shot, right? He's not in like the primary action or he's not necessarily even having to bring the ball up. He can he can just be on the court if you then have one of your uh, one of the guys like LeBron who can be the point guard in certain lineups in certain circumstances. And then he can be the one that goes to defend a three or a four um, a little bit in the way that they did with KCP or a player like that. And I know, again, even in that sense, it doesn't, that's not how you would initially think of Austin, but my point would be that he's just more of a, a smart basketball player who will figure out the right spot to be in depending on what the lineup is. And the distinction then, which is probably part of the reason why he was undrafted in a sense as well he had the ball a ton in Oklahoma, but he's not that typical point guard, I guess, that we're going to have at the NBA level. And then he's also not the guy that was off the ball a ton, and he was just waiting on the weak side of the floor and just knocking down shot after shot after shot. He he kind of just figures out how to play basketball games and how to win basketball games. And that's what he did going back to his high school days. That's how his small-town team, with him and his brother and a couple of their buddies, who also have any brothers, uh, beat Malik Monk's team. You know, a higher, talented, more pedigreed, type team because they just are, know how to play basketball well. And I think Austin is so used to being overlooked in a lot of ways that he, but he just kind of keeps coming. And that's part of the beauty for me, Pete, of this game. And I know that doesn't answer the, the initial question or topic, uh, but 
I think that's a strength of Austin's personally. It is. And it speaks to the versatility that Darius was talking about. When you think about Austin in terms of the four out offense, the two positions at the top are kind of similar to each other. They're kind of mirror images of each other. And then the two corners are a distinct position as well, but also mirror images of each other. And Austin's the kind of guy that can be an either spot, depending on the lineup he's in, depending on the defense that he's playing against. And when you were talking, D, about how you are the position that you can guard, first off, totally agree with that. And when you are led by a team that has a big wing as your primary ball handler, LeBron, Kobe uh, was this as well. They're not those guys where they're getting you into your offense, like you were saying, right? Like just because you're guarding the point guard spot doesn't mean you're running the offense on the other end. But that's exactly what our type of team that's going to have a LeBron James, that's going to have either Russ or most likely another ball handler. We'll we'll see what happens with that. And then that's a question too, right? Like about if, say, Russ gets traded and the guys that come back are more 3 and D guys, you probably need Austin to tap more into that legit ball handler. But again, we'll we'll go down that road once we know what, what the team is. But with res- respect to Austin, that ability to defend your position I've kind of landed on him being like a triangle point guard or a a wing dominant or even like a Jokic, right? like if Jokic is running your offense, that type of guard that can defend off of that. Because on the defensive end in particular, my biggest concern with Austin is guys targeting him and going through him physically, his uh, ability to win physical strength battles. That's why it's great to hear that he's putting on weight. Now, that can be difficult. We saw AD put on weight and it not necessarily help his game in certain aspects, right? But Dude, I wouldn't count on it being a ton of weight. I, I mean, I only saw him in street clothes at Summer League, but, you know, it, it wasn't like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas putting the Sunu was popping out of his arms like LeBron or anything. You, you, we need jacked Austin on media day. Like j- just come in just like freaking, well, you know, yeah, there was yeah, the whole, muscles bulging. We talked about this on Spectrum last night. There was the whole Caruso <laughs> off season, right? When they, there was that one photo, the, all the media. Yeah, it got yeah. photoshopped. Oh, yeah. It, it yeah. got photoshopped too, yeah. Mike. And so then, you know, the, uh, the Caruso, NBA guy is at his door the next day knocking like, hey, yeah, we yeah. need, <laughs> yeah, we need a sample. <laughs> we need a sample, buddy. But Caruso, Caruso had some of that muscle to do already though. Like he, that's the thing. That's the thing that people don't realize about Caruso. He he's always been jacked. Okay, Austin is yeah. not that same body type as Caruso. Not so much, and and that's part of the reason why I think he's a one. And defensively, especially, is that I think the guy in the backcourt next to him, regardless of what he does this offseason in terms of putting on weight and all of that, needs to have some degree of strength in order for the balance of that to work out. So that's kind of where I land ultimately on that is that he's a big one. And so I I think that's probably if if you have to define one, I think that makes sense. But the other contrast, and this is, has a little bit to do with the physicality conversation and the, and the strength and all that, but I also think he has a chance to be just a better shooter uh, than Caruso for some of those, some of those reasons. Like the, with the guys that have never had – basically have just never been good because they've been an amazing athlete. Like he's been good because of – so Caruso has the brain and the athleticism. Reeves has the brain and the skill, I think, and a little right. bit more of the handle and a little bit more of the – creativity off the bounds and so I yep to me I'm a little bit less worried about him trying to be something he's not and turn into this super strong like super strong big athlete and just leaning more into some of those skill spots where you can have him be spotted up on the weak side more and teams have to increasingly respect that as he makes more and more shots like that kind of thing not to say I don't want him to get stronger I just I think there's a certain body type where it's it's difficult to add too much without becoming a different type of player 
So let's go to break here because I think that this is an interesting discussion around defensive ability and role versus offensive ability and role and how Reeves is going to combine the two to best help this specific Lakers team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Mike, I love the point about Austin's skill game and what he can bring offensively. And Pete, that idea of Austin being sort of this throwback triangle guard to me is a very interesting point because... When you said triangle guard, a lot of people will think like Derek Fisher is like this triangle guard, right? But Mm -hmm. the guy I'm thinking of, or two guys actually, are Ron Harper and Brian Mm -hmm. Shaw. Mm -hmm. And so Shaw, to me, is an interesting comp for Austin Reeves, right? Shaw wasn't some super athlete. He was a good shooter. He had good feel for the game. He was a good passer. He could compete defensively, Similar, right? Similar point guard, size, shooting guard type. Right? Yeah, kind what? of a tweener, yep. Kind, kind of a combo guard with decent size. And obviously, those guys are like throwback players, man. Those are like 1990s guard. And there's a little bit of that in, in, in Austin's game. And translating that to today's NBA is an interesting thought experiment. Right. I actually think that Austin has landed on the right sort of team when you do have that big wing initiator that can do a lot of the offensive lifting and shot creation within the half court. Because in the big picture, offensively, I see Austin as a second side player. Right. Totally agree. And defensively, I see him as taking on the guard in the backcourt who isn't so there's two sort of guards that i think or two types of players that give austin problems one is the ish smith 
sort of guard. Ish Speedy Smith, as hell. Ish yep. Smith kicked Austin's ass last season. And he both just can't game, keep up with him. In both the games that the Lakers played against the Wizards, he was just shifty and crafty. And it's just like, oh, you don't know which way I'm going. And Austin loves to play defense like a step back. And then he loves to drop his hips and get into his slide. And then suddenly, no, no, man, like you tried to Euro step me, but I'm right in front of you and I'm getting my hands right on the ball. And I'm that's how he he comes up with good blocks. It's because he's an angles defensive player. But so it's those sorts of guys, the the guys who are just like, nope, can't catch me like the speedy Gonzalez sort of guards that are shifty that that give him problems, too. Yeah, speed ruins angles, right? Like the angle you think you're going to take against a guy like Ish Smith, totally different angle than like 90% of even the NBA point guards. And so I've, I've noticed that too. Then what are the other types that can give him issues? Well, and then it's that big sort of that guard who is really a wing sort of guy, right? Like the guy who can muscle him and doesn't and plays into you. The guy who is like never scared of a shot blocker. Even though he could be 6'3", 6'4", even. But if there's a 6'8 guy there, he still doesn't care. Like, he's taking it right to that dude's chest and he's going through that player in order to score at the basket. Those sort of guards and wings are going to give Austin problems as well. And so those are totally different ends of the spectrum. And as you go more towards the middle, Austin's going to thrive against a Mm -hmm. lot of players who are neither of, of... those things right and and so defensively i see him as being able to pair with like even another sort of combo guard in the backcourt who can then be like okay like yeah i got this guy because he plays more to my strengths and you get that guy because he plays more to your strengths and Mm -hmm. we complement each other and that's why i keep coming back to this idea of versatility with austin and why that matters for this specific lakers team because of the sort of usage players offensively that they have in LeBron and AD, especially. Offensively, why does a player like Austin have success off of a player like LeBron or like AD or even somebody, uh, just a higher usage guard? And this is, to me, where the IQ really comes into play. So if he's on the other side of the court and the defense is all, it's the main priority for that defense, and this is a regular season defense, right? So once you get to the postseason, they're accounting for other things, but... The regular season defense is all considered with that first action. So Austin is already considering what's going to happen when he gets the ball on that other side of the court. And so he knows all of these options. And there are some players that aren't thinking that way. They're just thinking, if the ball comes to me, maybe I'll shoot it. Um, if the ball comes to me, maybe I'll drive it. And he's already thinking about what what other kind of action could occur once he gets the ball. And that's just a, that's just the kind of player that I like on that end where I don't worry about the position. And, and so again, I know we're talking more about the defensive position, but I, I like his, his, uh, his ability to do different things off of the players that are creating all of the, uh, all of the, the weakness in the defense. So this is a super important point on, on the offensive end in particular, but before that, I, I just want to let the listeners know, uh, Mike Trudell, true professional, he's got Riggs, our fourth man in the booth, uh, with him. And that entire point that he just delivered just very well, Riggs is using, what's that, a truck he's got, Mike? 
Uh, it's a it's a mini Hess truck. Yeah. Okay, so he is using <laughs> Trudell's head as like as like uh, uh, a race car track, uh, yeah. just like running that thing all over his head, his forehead. Mike, true professional, just plowing through it. D, I need your I need your analysis of that. D, before we uh, go go back to Austin. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I Wait, honestly well, got like, There's a clip of there's a clip on the internet. At one point, I'm doing a sideline hit, and Shaq just comes over and just puts his big ha- hand oh, over my yeah. head. And so, you know, I was like, <laughs> if I can, and I'm like, I just need to keep talking. There are only about two people in the world who this could be. At first, it felt like a pancake or something, like a giant pancake was over my head. But, you know, you look, you just got to push through. You got to clear the mechanism and focus on what you need. You're an inspiration, Mike. <laughs> My goodness, you! This is where the behind the curtains LFR stuff that folks never get to see. This is almost better than the group chat because folks are always clamoring, like, "Oh, like reveal the text!" Right? They always want to see the <laughs> text, but what you really need to see is the video. Anyways, yeah. And getting back yes. to Austin here, Austin, Pete, please, Austin, please. Yeah. <laughs> so Austin on offense, um, you were talking about LeBron and like playing off of those high usage type of guys and high gravity type of guys. I, I think that that is the important thing within this type of context. And what that does is that gets the wheel started on offense, right? It You draw an extra half defender, you draw a little more attention. And one of the great things about four out, remember when we did the pod on that, I was talking about how you force the defense to make a choice. And so if they're going to help a little too far into the paint, Austin needs to be able to knock down that corner three. And now this is something that to me of, of all the things on offense that he needs to get better at, he gets the sequence. He knows how to operate it. And, you know, I'll I'll describe more on that, but just knocking down that open shot, more regularly. That's it. And so he's working on that. I think he's totally on the right track. But that whole, we force you to make a decision. Austin's really good at that advantage extension, where we force the defense to make a decision and say they close out to Austin. He understands what to do if you drive to the basket going baseline, or if you drive to the basket going middle, and where that next help defender is coming from. Because as a player, like try to look at this through a player's eyes, is you shot fake, you rip through, and say you drive to the middle. The first thing you need to identify is the one versus two guy, meaning that on that weak side, there's going to be one player that's in charge of defending two players. And you're kind of playing this game of cat and mouse. Well, first and foremost, like attacking the basket, right? You have to be a threat yourself before any of this happens. Um, And Austin's able to hit those one dribble pull-ups and those little floaters. He's got a nice diversity of types of shots that he can hit, but you also have to be able to read that weak side guy. And Austin's recognition goes right to that. Like he's, he's catching that, that he knows what he wants to do aspect that you were talking about, Mike, that ability for a rookie, I was just blown away by his ability to, to do that. And He's capable of making those passes D with his left hand, with velocity, off of the bounce. Like there's just a great deal of skill diversity in what he can do as a passer and a shooter. Both of his parents were uh were basketball players. I think it it uh that certainly plays into that. But the ability to do whatever the situation calls for, because the advantage will already be created, super helpful when looking for that from players that play alongside a LeBron and an AD. Alongside LeBron and AD is just an obvious but such a key point here there was a stretch early in the season and it was from let's see so november 8th to january 7th 
And within that time period, Austin had an injury and then he also had COVID. But he played in, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, the, the Lakers won 11 of 12 games that he played in. It was just this. And LeBron and AD, this was also basically the only stretch of the season where LeBron and AD were healthy together. And Austin, to get to Darius's terminology, was properly slotted then as that kind of that fifth guy that was just coming in. Sometimes Russ was on the court. Sometimes in like the Dallas game, it was Wayne Ellington who was hitting shots that night. Um, sometimes it was even somebody like Bays, like playing on the wing. Mm-hmm. Him and Mello had some good minutes together as well. Yeah, Mello was getting those regular bench minutes, but that's that's where Austin uh, Darius needs to be slotted. Like he he can't be your third or your even your fourth in a lot of times, guys. But he's he can be really good as that fifth guy, and and that maybe undersells some of what he showed later in the season, right? When he was yeah, a little I, bit I think higher. he could be a fourth guy actually. Uh, so, I, I yeah, but so that at that point of the season though, Pete, like what he was. I guess here's my point that he can, I think, scale up some, but it, but if he is that fifth guy, right, then the, the then the team has a better chance of winning. And yeah, so often it's like our three through eight pods that we did throughout the season. So often there was there was at least one or two guys out there alongside him that were weak, and it's just the the slotting thing is always so important, Darius. So let's go to break here because let's talk about where Austin should be slotted on this Lakers team and potentially a good Lakers team. So here's the thing I think about Austin is the player that you just described, Mike, the fifth guy, right? The guy who is a connective piece on the court, Pete, a guy who can play up high in a four-out, one-in offense, the guy who could play in the corners, a guy who could screen on the ball, right? Mm -hmm. A guy Mm -hmm. who can play in the short roll, a guy who can pick and pop some, a guy who can run second-side actions himself, ball swings, and if it's a pick-and-roll or a handoff situation, he feels comfortable in those. If it's attacking a closeout and making the right read, it's – It's those if it's a closeout on him and he's not attacking it, but he can then make the next pass, right? Like, oh, the next pass is actually right back to where the ball came to me from, right? It's swing, swing. Oh, nope. A guy is on me. Swing back or the duck in pass right to the big who came from the opposite side of the court. But if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing on a skip opens up. And now mm-hmm. is underneath the basket. He had that great chemistry. Yeah. He had great chemistry with Dwight Howard, for example, on that exact mm-hmm. pass. And he hit yes. him multiple times over the course of the season for easy baskets inside. That player sounds like a player you want starting. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a player you want playing with your best players. Because the things that he does are most useful next to your best players. And so when we talk about him as maybe the Lakers eighth guy, right? Like, like, can he be one of those eight guys? So seventh or eighth, right? Because honestly, if Austin Reeves is one of your best five players, you might actually be in trouble. But that doesn't necessarily mean he shouldn't be amongst your first five players. You see where I'm getting Mm -hmm. or you see where I'm going with this? I'm I'm right there with. Yes, I'm right there on that. And. 
I actually, as of now, he he is a starter in my eyes uh, of this group. Now we'll see. I think we're in in for some crazy training camp battles for a multitude of positions and kind of spots in the in the pecking order, and hopefully that breeds some good competition. But ultimately, so first and foremost, like. We need a point of attack defender. We need a guy that's going to be the main defender on the ball, that's going to do his job. And like, we don't talk about defensive positions that often. And I think that in under our current roster, that that's a job that Austin kind of really stands out as being the guy that's likely to, to be that. But, uh, but yeah, there's just his, his presence at that spot too, gives you a degree of collective size that I think is helpful where if he's at the one, and then you have another guy who's maybe a little stronger, but also six, five, you know, I think you're, that's why I thought of that triangle guard, that big guard university that that you always talk about. Well, it's also interesting to me, Mike, because of the defensive responsibility within that too because if austin can defend point guards i think that that opens up the possibilities for what you can be within your starting lineup defensively as well and and so i just wanted to set that part of it up too and and sort of get your thoughts on austin reeves potential starter or where's your mind around that stuff well, it's hard not to continue to draw comparisons despite being different players to Caruso in this sense that he doesn't have to start, but you want him to have some of his minutes next to LeBron specifically. And sure, at times LeBron and AD, but it's for a lot of the reasons that we just discussed is that like when when LeBron's on the court, whether or not it's with the starters and who else, whoever else is out, whoever else is out there, you want somebody else on the other side of the court that is able to take advantage of all the of all of the things that LeBron is going to be able to to just force the defense to do. And so those minutes, you're going to guarantee more minutes, certainly in a starting role. But then you may create certain defensive issues depending on what the other team is starting and depending on who else you have on the wing, which we're still a little uncertain of. Right? We need to see what Troy Brown yeah. Jr. looks like. We need to see what Toscano Anderson. Looks like we need to we need to see if the Lakers make another roster move. We need to see to figure out for sure if it's going to be Bryant that is starting. Uh, so uh, along the way there, Austin to me doesn't have to be uh, the guy that's starting there, but he's going to be the guy that's going to give you a, some plus minutes with LeBron and uh, in, in whatever context that is. And that's ultimately what happened with Caruso, where he started off the bench, but eventually it just became so clear with the plus minus, like with the eye test, that there are certain groups that. Uh, that he's going to benefit the most in. And then he's closing certain games and even starting game six of the finals. And, and I just think there's a somewhat of a similar trajectory that Austin could find. So before we started talking, Mike, and I'll post this back to you and then to Pete as well, because it's an interesting idea to me, is how much does Austin have to overcome in order to be looked at as a potential starter considering where he's come from? I honestly think that was something Caruso had to battle with, right? It's not necessarily that the coach doesn't trust you. It's that the coach has to manage 15 players. He has to manage an entire roster and all of the politics and everything that goes into like, okay, well, going back to Caruso, here's a guy who came up as like a two-way player. And now he's my secret weapon. But I almost think that Frank Vogel branded him that so that he could like, use him as a release valve and optimize him in ways, but not always have to be like, okay, well, I want this dude to start, right? Because if you then have to start Alex Caruso, then he's leapfrogging all of these other dudes who have equity 
and reputation Rem. in the league. And that's an interesting thing to put back onto a player like Austin Reeves, who is an undrafted free agent. And, and so how do you, do you see that as playing a part in, in any of this, Pete? I think it was more last year than it will be this year, but it, it'll depend. But I mean, how quickly did we see last year that like, the undrafted kid at the end of the bench is actually better than most of our guys on this team. Like it didn't take very long, but then it's like, what are you going to play him ahead of Wayne Ellington to start early in the season? It's that whole, like the, the politics of the NBA, the poli- you know, the, the pecking order, the throwing the undrafted kid out there. Like, heck, we might have a situation like that with Cole Swider. If things go well with him, if he shoots the way he did in summer league, right, there's going to be a certain amount of, maybe there's some nights where we shoot, you know, 23% from three. And it's like, yeah, hey, that Swider kid might be a helpful <laughs> with this group type of thing, you know, but there is that, that pecking order, Mike, that's a real thing um, that different guys and different coaches manage it in a different way. I don't see that as big of an issue on this year's team. And that said, like, I see Austin as a starter amongst this group on the ideal roster, he would be coming off of the bench. And I don't think that it's like a big thing one way or, or the other, if he starts or doesn't, but yeah, there is that whole dynamic in place that I, to, where, where are you at on Darius's question? I see it as less of a factor this year. I suppose the factor for me revolves more around Russ and if he's on the roster to start the season and, Amen. you know, so that's, that's part of it. It's, it's less so with the new guys that have been coming in and the, the names that I mentioned before. Whereas all of a sudden Austin is more of the the guy that's earned the time with the Lakers like from his time from last season, but that's just a if Russ is if if it's Russ to start the season and that lineup just isn't working again, it whether it, it was, if they're not going to kill, but if it's not a plus, right? Then and Austin is coming off the bench, and we just think that there are some things that he can do better um, for the offense and. Let's get the ball. Let's get the ball in LeBron's hands more, right? Mm-hmm. Let's have somebody on the other side that can shoot. So that to me would be the one where it's it's less so about slotting and stature and just just a a fit issue. Although of course those things factor in with Russ. Well, it's interesting to me though. One of the reasons why I bring this idea up at all is because the Lakers just used their loan resource in the offseason in terms of free agency on a player like Lonnie Walker. Mm-hmm. Right. Who is a similarly sized player. He is a different player than Austin Reeves. And it's that sort of contrast where, well, what is the right fit? Who might be the best fit within the context of these lineups? And might it be Austin Reeves? I look at a player like Taylor Horton Tucker, Pete, or I look at a player like Kendrick Nunn. All Kendrick of these Nunn, guys, man. yeah, like all of these guys have equity in the league in their own way. All of them are are and have been invested in by the Lakers organization. And Austin has too, but he's on a two-year contract. This is his second year in that two-year contract. And I'll be very interested to see how that sort of competition that you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. how that all plays out because all of these dudes are guards and you can only play so many guards. And that sort of push and pull and what the right fit is. And it's why, Mike, three seasons ago, you were asking the questions about Alex Caruso. Like, hey, guys, have you seen the plus minus with these groups? (laughs) And what do you think about this? And hey, the chemistry with LeBron looks tight, right? And like these leading sort of ideas of like, yeah, because this dude can play. It's pretty clear that he can play. But 
there's a Rajon Rondo in front of him. There's an Avery Bradley in front of him. There's a Contavious Caldwell Pope in front of him. And there's all of these dudes who are in the mix and a head coach has to manage that. And, and so it was just a thing that when you brought it yeah, up, yeah. Mike, it piqued my interest because I do think those things never go away. It's a reason why a Troy Brown gets another opportunity, even though now it's his third team. It's because, yeah, he's got pedigree. He was drafted 15th overall in an NBA draft. Like those guys get chances. And it's it's super interesting to me, that part of things, because it's an often under-discussed part of how the NBA works. But to me, it's always present. So I think that's totally fair and totally true. And, and it comes out on every roster. I think this specific Lakers roster is a little bit less concerning if, from a standpoint of somebody that likes to see Austin uh, playing. All the guys that came in are either on one-year deals or are or have already been, you know, or like in the case of THT, have you know have had chances, right? And so, so I don't think it's going to view Austin in that context. Like it's yes, they're battling for the same yeah. spot. Kendrick Nunn just did an interview with Geeter, uh, and and he is not playing like full five on five yet, but he said he feels as good as he's felt physically since the bubble. But he is on the second year of his deal. You know, it's so I don't, I just don't see they didn't sign some guard in the off season to and give their full mid not that they had it right and a three-year deal to where right. you just can't and they don't have a draft pick that is that is the 15th overall player that you just would have a hard time playing your undrafted guy from last year on so that's all this is a good roster for yeah. austin to plan other than westbrook right where right. that that is the one's guy where who's going to feel like russ is going to feel like no like i deserve this is my uh starting spot here and I deserve X amount of minutes. The rest of those guys, I don't think can make that claim. Yeah. No one's coming in kind of being owed anything on that front. Um, all right. This was fun. Uh, get into Austin's game. Very curious to see where, uh, things shake down from talking this out more. This is something that I kind of knew in theory, but when you were listing the guards D I was like, I thought we had one too many guards. I think we might have two too many guards on the team. And like, that's part of the difficulty of like discussing the team right now. It's the the cake that just started baking and it's probably not the final version of the roster or even the shape of the team. So the cake's not even baking yet, Pete. Like you're still digging in the pantry. Like, what do I have? Do I still need to go to the damn store? I think I might have to go to the store still, right? <laughs> exactly. Seriously, right? Like, oh, I'm I, I'm almost out of flour, I think. Maybe it's time to go get another bag. But the versatility of Austin becomes really valuable in that type of circumstance because he can be that type of ingredient that can fill in a hole. It, that Whatever the team looks like, if you need a bit of a shooter, you need a bit of a ball handler, you need an on-ball defender or a help defender – as so long as you don't put him in a couple of spots that that can really exploit him mainly on the strength front i think i think that he's the leading contender of the young players to carve out a spot in a legit playoff rotation so uh this is fun we'll be back tomorrow uh talk some more hoops but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time james has got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy tip to magic worthy dies on his belly magic scores Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, that next to the winner, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties.
as an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Missing. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.